Well, congratulations, you have made it to August 2020. Welcome to the Anxious Millennial Podcast. I am your one and only hostess, Alexandra. On today's episode, I am so thrilled. We have a psychologist from the UK by the name of Leonie. She and I connected over well-being, and I am so excited for the insight that she's going to bring you today. Leonie, welcome to our show. Thank you very much for having me. And we were talking about gardening because it's a lovely day in the UK today. It is 26 degrees here at, you know, 5 p.m. It was about 30 earlier. Uh-huh. Um, so we've got very beautiful weather. And it's been like this the last few weeks. So um, it really makes things a lot more wonderful in, what, in lockdown when the sun is shining. So I know. I just can't believe that it's already August. I'm in a little bit of denial, but we'll take all the nice days that we can. So, Leonie, I'm going to jump right into it. Thank you so much for joining us today. And as I always say, that simplicity is queen. I'm going to start off by asking you, what is your word for 2020 and why? Um, so, my word for 2020 is to find yourselves, okay? You know, we've been given, you know, 2020 has been sprung upon us. It is not the 2020 that any of us planned. And so there are, you know, there's, I'm sure there've been some challenges and ups and downs for everyone. But the one thing that we've been given, which we never seem to have enough of is time. Okay. And I think that, you know, it's really important to not take up all of that time worrying about things and use it as an opportunity to, for reflection and to find out who you are and what's going on with you. Um, to really ground yourselves, um, because we're not going to get this time back until retirement. You know, then no one's ever going to give us four and a half, five, six months unless we take a sabbatical, we're in between jobs, or we retire. So I think that this we've been given a gem, we've been given a golden nugget that we we might not get for a long time to come yet. So how can we use it as an opportunity to find ourselves? I think that's um, really important for me that's my word for 2020 and also to think about what's your story what's your lockdown story you know what it it can be you when you write a book you say what you want it to be about you say what the chapters are going to be you know you could write one chapter and it could have five different spins on it so what's your story what's the spin that you're going to put on 2020 you know it's up it's actually in your hands and you can choose whether you want to think about all of the negative parts or if you want to remember all the positive parts or all the funny parts or all the parts where you were connecting with people or the parts when you were on your own. But I think those are my two things is find yourself and what's your story. What's your story? That's brilliant. I think you mentioned time and to us, we think is time is such a, I mean, the concept, we don't even understand it really. We just kind of live our day to day and you bring up such an interesting point that we've been given the gift of time, haven't we? We have. We always complain all the time. Oh my God, the summer went so fast. The, the, the Christmas holiday went so fast. How did the year go so quickly? Um, oh my God, I didn't, there was too many things to do. I didn't get half of them done. And so we've been given this gift of time. Mm-hmm. We don't have a commute anymore for a lot of people. 
um, we're able to still, you know, okay, it's hot, it's difficult being at home with the children if you've got them or with your family or your partners, if you've got them and trying to work, but you've been given the gift of them being around. That's how you can look at it. We've been, you don't have to think about what you're going to do when you get home when it's taking you two hours to get there. You're not tired. You've got the energy because you've been given the time back. So, you know, I, really think that you know it's really we need to look at that as a gift because mm-hmm. you know that impacts on our well-being positively to not have to be rushing about or thinking about how we're going to apportion our time because we don't have enough of it because we're giving it away to so many people we actually if you were giving all that time away to other people then really that means you've got additional time now for yourself absolutely and that that i think is what yields to a successful life because we think of success so tied to achievement, perhaps in the workplace. But speaking of which, psychology for success, that is what makes a successful life is your ability, I believe, personally anyways, to achieve well-being and balance what can make you happy and how to achieve and make sure you're maintaining those interpersonal relationships. Yeah. So to that, can you tell me more about psychology for success and why it is so close to your heart? Um, well, Psychology for Success is my company I'm the director of, um, and we provide psychological services. So um, therapeutic services, uh, learning and development services, um, and we also provide um, rehabilitation support and um we provide psychologists as experts. Um, so in expert family law cases, immigration and criminal cases. Um, but, you know, I decided to call my business psychology for success because, you know, I think that when people come to psychologists or when they come to me, they're looking for hope. Okay. And, you know, you, if you, if you don't have any hope, you wouldn't bother to come and ask me to help you just sit at home or not do anything about the issue that you've got. Just let it overwhelm you. But I think that even if people do feel overwhelmed when they come, it could be something as serious as a court case or something significant that's happened to them that actually they know it's hard, but that they're actually willing to face it now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's a really amazing strength of all of the people that, you know, come through my door. And this is why I call it psychology psychology for success, because I think it's all about, you know, helping people to... um, to find their strength and their power. And, you know, hope does spring eternal. I think that when people come to me, that they're looking for hope. And so this is why I call it this. I could just call it, you know, I don't know, experts on demand or psychologists are here, but we're not just here. We're here to support you in whatever it is that's going to make you successful. If you've got a stumbling block, then we're here to support you with that, whether it be a legal one or whether it be about something personal in your personal life, you know, we're here to support you with that. And so this is why I look, I called it that. And this is where it came from. Um, before I, you know, just had a business service. Um, but now it's called this because I believe that it kind of personifies me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, you know, a lot of my clients say to me, oh, you've always got lots of interesting creative solutions. <laughs> and I think that I'm quite solution focused in my work. Um, hence the fact that I use a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy and um, mindfulness that helps people to ground themselves and so I think that um, this is where I gave birth to this baby of psychology of success because I feel that kind of says who I am and how I do business right and what to expect from me and that it's about you know I'm here to help you but also it's about you um, you know learning to work out what 
where your strengths are, you know, whatever they might be. Yes, your strengths. Your power. It's, it's to me, I believe so strongly in putting an onus on mental health, not just now, because the, the thing is with right now, mental health is at the forefront in a way it's never been before, I believe, in the sense that the gift of time has allowed us to take a look at ourselves and the good, the bad, the ugly starts to come out. And so when you're given the luxury of time, you go into overthink mode. Mm -hmm. And so that's when things I believe bubble up. Are you seeing a bit of that pattern with people reaching out to you? Um, I think that, you know, what I am seeing is that the thing about 2020 is that you cannot hide from it. Absolutely. It's very exposing. So I think that's what I picked up from my clients that, you know, because of the situation that we're in, that you, you know, if you don't get on with the person at home or if you're not confident about yourself or if you don't like yourself or if you're worrying about things, that you cannot hide away from all of these issues in 2020. They, there's nowhere, you know, you cannot use work as a distraction or going out with your friends or going to meet, see your sister. These things, I know you cannot, you, you, you have to deal with you. And this is why I think I said find yourself, um, because I think that, you know, that's one of the things that people have been, you know, it's been very exposing. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it's been super exposing and not in the most flattering of way. I mean, we're facing some some demons that we've probably put away for a little bit. But hearing the passion you have for psychology, um, are there pivotal moments in your life that have driven you towards psychology? What what brought you to this industry in the first place? You know, as a young person, I always knew that I wanted to help people. And it kind of came from that. My dad sat me down again with a talk, actually, when I was really young. I didn't even really know what, what psychology was at the time. And he said, sit down. Remember, he sat me at the dining table and he said, you need to do something sensible with your life. You can't be singing and dancing all the time. <laughs> now you think about what you want to do. And I thought, well, I like helping people. So maybe I'll, I could do something, you know, in the legal field, be a solicitor or, uh, you know, look at psychology. I thought that was a bit more, you know, you get to engage with people on a more positive level. So I decided to go for that. But, you know, when you're studying psychology, it's quite intense. So it's a lot of learning. And so I think when I, you know, maybe when I started to learn about it, I started to fall out of love with it a bit in a way because there was so much information, but there were bits that I fell in love with. And I suppose when you, when you're, when you're much younger, everybody's worked or you understand work. So occupational psychology was my first love, I have to say. And, you know, understanding the dynamics of, you know, um, performance and well-being in the workplace um, understanding, you know, how to profile people at work, understanding competency frameworks. So all of these things were actually my first love. But while I was there and I was doing a lot of assessment work, um, I started to do a lot of development work. So um, if they were looking for internal promotions, but, you know, organisations where they were looking at developing potential, so looking at, you know, what, how to profile individuals, what their personalities are like. And I think I, that's where I started to fall in love with well-being. Um, because I really got to grips with understanding people and, you know, who they wanted to be and, you know, maybe what made them vulnerable and how they were willing to face those things. So I think, um, that was kind of, you know, where I fell in love with well-being. 
Um, and so I decided that I would retrain, uh, well, additionally train. So then I um, trained as a counselling psychologist on top. So it's kind of given me, you know, the understanding of human behaviour and well being at work, but also just in general, because I can, I now work clinically. And I think the two hand in hand have really helped me to fall in love with psychology, because I think that now I just do the things that I want to do. Hmm. <laughs> Um, and I don't know if that's because you get to a certain type, part in your career, but I just do the parts that I that make me feel something. Yes, deriving meaning from work that is so important because so oftentimes in our lives we're faced with sort of a right or left decision. In fact, just hearing you made me reminisce. I studied psychology on an undergrad basis only. I have a bachelor's degree in psychology and you mentioned falling out of love with it. <laughs> That moment for me, I mean, you know, I, I went to a wonderful school here in Montreal. I went to McGill University, a very highly competitive place. And I started to think to myself, you know, it, first year was fun and you get to meet so many people. But as the classes get arduous and much more, you know, you're, you're seeing, first of all, the fallout, right? You're seeing less and less people as the program is progressing. And we see yeah. psychology so often as this qualitative non-scientific um you know place or space and it's it is it is not a pseudoscience and that is so what we were trying to learn and try to instill is that this is a science behavior is a science it's very full-on and you know this is the one thing you know I have a lot of you know I've even just appointed some honorary assistants to come and work with me you know I say to them that you know this is so scientific and it's all about understanding numbers even if you learn qualitatively you know about people actually it's better to work in that way qualitatively when you understand the quantitative you know the numbers and the scoring because that's what you do in psychology you learn how to quantify personality to look at the levels of significance of you you know, people's behaviours. And so it takes a lot of learning and understanding all of the rules and even sometimes doing them by hand so you understand what the difference are. And it really does burst your brain, you know. So it takes some perseverance. Um, but you do need to know these things because I think it's this underpinning that's made me a, a good psychologist. I do believe that. If I didn't know all of that stuff, I wouldn't be able to make the decisions or, you know, even to um, understand human behaviour in the way that I do. I mean, every day, every week, I'm always... Even if it's IQ, well-being, I'm scoring something all the time. So I just, I've definitely fallen in love with it again, def, you know, just wholeheartedly. But because you understand what you're doing and you, you choose the things that you like, because if you're doing the things that you don't like and it's hard anyway, it's even more difficult, isn't it? So um, I think this is the thing. It's kind of, you know, when you do your degree, it's very generalist. But as you get on in your career, you learn things, you do different parts of psychology and you really just find your feet. Uh, find yourself you know I think that's what I did is I kind of found myself in it and what what I could give back to people because I was feeling something you know I feel that you know I do a lot of well-being work within organizations and can see that it's making a positive impact to the to the person and I think that that's really you know where my heart lies um yes we can make a positive impact to the organization and to the wider society but I think that we, it's great to start from outwards and to be able to work with people and see on a direct level the impact that it's having on them the work that you're doing so I think this is you know kind of I've got to that point but you know for anybody who knows out there studying psychology I would say don't give up and it's it 
once you get past this kind of period of feeling, oh my God, this is so difficult, you will find your love. You will. Mm-hmm. It'll take some time, but you will find the bits that you love. Psychology is always going to be a love for me on a personal basis anyway. And, uh, you know, the beauty of that is it, it allows us, and you said it so beautifully, you, you learned a lot too about yourself through that journey, right? And I hear that so often where people who go into psychology end up learning a ton about themselves. And it yeah. gives you the, the, you know, the empath ability to be able to tap into someone is such a gift and so yeah. that too is is like a it's a skill or a muscle you get to sort of exercise in learning as well about yourself yeah. right? I mean what's your thought on that I mean I I agree Alex because I I think that for me you know anybody who comes to me I always thank them you know it doesn't matter if it's an expert case or if it's therapeutic piece of work you know I usually will say you know thank you very much for you know, coming to see me, you know, thank you for choosing me, but also thank you for just making this step into therapy or, you know, even if you feel that you need some psychological support, thank you for, you know, kind of coming to me. And I always feel that my clients make me better people because if somebody is so brave that they will put their trust in me, Yes. And I need to make, you know, I, I try my best not to kind of veer towards the per- perfectionist end, which sometimes can happen because you feel that you need to always be striving for your best self. But, you know, I feel that I need to put the work in for them as well as for myself because they're putting the work in because I encourage them and they've been brave enough to come to me. So I should be brave enough to try and at least resolve some of my demons and just try and stand in my own truth. Stand in your own truth. It is so interesting to hear you say that because perfectionism is such a beast that I can I can have a whole yeah. I can have a whole series on perfectionism. Oh, me too. <laughs> I'm telling you I could. Oh yeah. And it is a very intricate I say demon, but it is a demon. It is a very intricate personality trait and the funny thing about perfectionism is that it is directly tied to anxiety. Do you believe, Leone, that there's still a big stigma with uh, with reaching out to a therapist and, and talking to a therapist or a psychologist? Is there still that sort of dark cloud, that stigma, that shame that's attached to it? I think that there still is, especially in uh, particular cultures, especially with sometimes men as well, um, that there is quite a big stigma and kind of feeling that it's a sense of failure because you need support. Hmm. So I do think that's something that, you know, in society that we do need to work on. I think recently there has been a lot of work around that and, you know, kind of supporting even issues that happen that we can't avoid, like we can avoid, but, you know, that occur like male suicide, uh, male depression, suicide in general, but just things that highlight that you should speak to someone. Okay, and I think that, you know, even having campaigns like this is quite good because it allows people to realize that, you know, it's okay to talk about it. And um, I think that even by me always doing all these webinars and, you know, just having a voice um, that, you know, part of what I want to show is that psychologists or therapists are not scary things. You know, we're not these, uh, you know, sometimes you, you can watch things on the TV or listen to podcasts and they're very serious. I completely agree. I think therapy in mainstream media is so improperly portrayed. And I really believe it does a huge disservice to the mental health community. You know, I always say to people when they come to me that it's a non-judgmental space. And I think that, you know, sometimes when I have therapy with someone, it's not about them 
telling other people to come to me, but it's about me being an advocate for psychology mm-hmm. and so that they will tell others that it's okay to speak to someone. Okay. It doesn't have to be me. Um, we laugh a lot in therapy. Oh my God. People might cry. <laughs> you know, people might be, I get a bit angry. Some people don't say anything for really long periods of time, but you know, that's up to them, however they want to use this space. And I just think that, you know, we need to move away from this stigma of it being something to be afraid of. And also, uh, this stigma of putting the therapist on a pedestal and mm-hmm. that you, you know, there's this hierarchy. Yes. You know, we are here to help you. But as I said to you, I I believe a lot in cognitive behavioural therapy and I'm a strong advocate for guided discovery and that, you know, I'm there to help you, to encourage you to look into yourself. And so I just feel that sometimes, you know, my role is to be an advocate for people to go away and tell others that actually therapy is not, it's not half bad. I will say it time and time again, your work is so important. So truly, thank you for what you do. Um, And so to that, actually, do you believe right now that the current climate and the world is being where it is right now? There's, there's, it's always been a volatile place to be the world, but uh, being what it is right now, we're still in the middle of a global health crisis. We're still, you know, seeing a lot of um, uprising, especially in the United States uh, and around the world, actually, on equality. Uh, you know, there's been something really terrible that happened in Beirut just a few uh, yes. days ago. So we're, you know, we're, we're being bombarded by a lot right now. Tell us, just based on the climate, I know you designed something. It was called the Anxiety During Lockdown Package. Can you tell us yes. a little bit about that? Okay, so this came initially from demands for from clients, and now it's something that I've um, run uh, a number of times now, um, out, even outside of my clients. So I've been running these quite regularly over the lockdown, which is about managing anxiety under the uh, in the lockdown. And basically, it's a bit of a toolkit to help people to think about ways that they can reduce levels of worry. Okay, so we go through a bit of an anxiety toolkit. We do um, think about strategies in mindfulness, but we also think about how you can make changes to your environment and space um, to allow you to be less worried about what's going on around you, how you how you set your intention for the day to make an intention that something positive or good is going to happen or basically that something that something is going to happen. Because uh, we've got a lot of people getting out of bed in pyjamas and staying in the pyjamas all day. And it's wonderful. But, you know, if you want to stop worrying about things, what is the intention that you're setting for what you want to achieve today? Even if it's that you're going to do the garden today, then you should put on clothes that means that you're going to do the gardening. Even if you're going to go, you're going to work today, you don't need to put on a suit, but put on something that makes you feel that you mean business. And that when you speak to people today, that you're going to feel that you, you're standing in your power. Okay, so we talk about, you know, all different things that you can do to help to manage your anxiety. Um, We have therapeutic session on top of that. So these have been running very well. Um, There have been two hour sessions to give everyone the opportunity to really have, you know, who's in the group to have the chance to say something if they'd like. So the nice thing is that it's not just me talking at people. It's people being allowed to use that space to use me, but also to talk to people that would be generally their peers as well. So that's um, something that's been going really well. Um, and, out, you know, just in terms of worry that it's been a bit of a roller coaster. And, you know, one of the things that I've tried to educate people with um, in, in this uh, managing anxiety in the lockdown is around that actually, even though we might be feeling that this is we're worrying a lot, that 
it's kind of reasonable to feel like this because we're in a very extreme situation. And I don't know um, if you've heard much about the, the grief cycle. Do you know the Kubler-Ross grief cycle? Well, I know the five stages of grief. Right. So um, the grief cycle talks about, you know, how, you know, when, some, when you lose, uh, because I, I talk about this grief cycle a lot with clients in general. And it's not just about when you lose somebody in the physical being, you know, when somebody dies. It could be when you realize that you've lost that relationship, when you file for divorce, you know, um, when you lose a job or even when you retire from a job that you maybe you've been in for 40 years, that there's a, there's a loss, there's a big, massive loss, loss of sense of self, but loss of the way that your life was in some capacity. Wow. Yeah, something's changed. Mm. And, you know, when there's something that's sprung upon you, that usually this can be something that, you know, there, you, you go through this period of grief because you start with kind of shock and thinking is this actually happening and then you move into like feelings of anger oh my god like you know actually I'm feeling angry and frustrated about this and then you 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 know you're also feeling issue you know feelings of denial and you know even hopelessness that you can't do anything you know we're in this lockdown and you can't do anything to get out of it you can't they say you have to stay in they say you can't go to work or you can't do particular activities there's nothing you can do to change it and it's that helplessness of having to deal with a situation that is out of your control but we then kind of get into a state where we start thinking about you know what does new look like you know because we can't really you know we're in this how are we going to make some changes you know what might those changes look like what might the new world look like? And actually, what's the new plan? Because we can't go back to the old plan. And so there's something about grieving your life or in the way that it was. There's something around, and this is one of the things that we deal with, you know, when we do these workshops, because it's about accepting, the you know, what's happening now and working out how we're going to move forward with a new plan. Because what, it's the same as when somebody passes away. You get, you know, you're angry or shocked, you know, what? why did this happen? They didn't deserve to die. But you get to this point where you have to acknowledge that, you know what, after you reflect on maybe feel helpless and reflect on maybe some of the positive stories and the things, you know, you know, what this person meant to you, you then have to think about what is life going to look like without them? Yeah. And I think that, you know, in terms of managing worrying anxiety, that there's something about validating that, you know, if we're looking at it as this kind of experience, that it's actually natural to be a bit worried. Yeah. Mm. And if we look at it as, as this kind of cycle, that actually we're going to get through it. This is your time to, you know, this is your time to worry. And actually, maybe some people are worrying for longer periods of time, shorter periods of time, in a different way. But there's something about validating that actually something bad has happened. I've lost something. I'm a bit worried about it. I'm, but it's okay for me to worry. But I need to know, you know, when it's time to move out of this space and think about how I process that. And actually, what's my new life going to look like? Who, who is the new me? How do I need to upskill myself? How am I going to manage the children at home while I'm trying to work? What do I need to do about this? We're not going on these holidays anymore. Because so, they're, you know, they're clearly being cancelled. So what are we going to do instead? What have we got? Exactly. What have we got right now and to be grateful for, right? Gratitude is a huge practice to implement. And I know a lot of people are going to feel the same way, Leonie, because that too is also almost a gift of reinvention because you get to reevaluate now your life, your priorities. And someone very wise once told me to your point about 
validation. What resists persists. So you can just go ahead with the acceptance. I know it's hard. Acceptance too is a bit of a process, right? To be able to to get there. Mm -hmm. But you're absolutely right. Thinking of this as sort of a um, a way to grieve. It, you are grieving a life that you had and you're now foraying into, I guess, what we're all calling the new normal. Mm -hmm. But it's a process. It's a process. It and you're right. This is very extreme. It is. And, you know, the part of our, part of it is that it's natural to worry about what is it because no, not even the government know what it is. So Precisely. So we might as well just lean into the worry. If you think about it, we're all working it out. So in a way, there's something about, you know, you need to manage, you know, managing your anxiety and your worry, but actually acknowledging that we're all working this out. So even though you can be worried by the fact that there's no plan, you know, this isn't something that anybody could really plan for. So there's something in kind of accepting that this is validating this worry, you know, that it's okay to be worried about the fact that actually we don't know what's going on. But how do we set ourselves free from that? You know, so, mm -hmm. I mean, these are kind of things that we talk about in the workshop and just trying to help people to work out what stage they're at and validating, you know, where they're at. And, you know, hearing the stories of people that have, you know, what it was like when they were at that point, you know. And it's really great to hear people's stories that when they're, you know, when they're in this stage of acceptance and working out what their next steps are. Um, you know, one of the things that I, two of the things that normally stem out of this anxiety workshop is work on um, perfectionism and potential. Because I think that, you know, in this new normal, it's always easy to worry about all the things that you haven't done. <laughs> and um, tell me about it. You don't, nobody looks behind, you know, and looks at the things that they had to change, how they just woke up out of bed every one day and were resilient, flexible, that they put all of these changes in place, that they managed the family, managed work, kept work going, even if they didn't keep work going and, you know, something happened and they lost their job, that they did something about it, that they're still here. And people don't see all of these things. They just kind of see, what am I going to do now? Or... Why am I not improving in a particular way? And they're not actually acknowledging that this has not been easy and validating themselves and being compassionate to themselves. So I always say that the two things that we normally, you know, the second follow-up things that we talk about are usually around perfectionism and, you know, strategies and tools to support people to actually look at their journey. Um, this makes you worry less because it makes you confident that you can achieve things if you look at what you've done. If you're only looking at what you haven't done, you're, you feel unconfident because you don't actually know what is ahead of you. Yes. We all don't know. Of course. Okay. So uh, that's the one thing is perfectionism and the other one is potential. So it's looking at, you know, what you can achieve and, you know, believing in yourself. Because I think that in the new normal that, you know, the skills that they're looking for from people are not the same as they were in the old normal. So, you know, so these may be things that you're good at that you've never tapped into because we've never had to. So it's really getting people to look at themselves and really give themselves some self-praise and look at what they've got to offer because I don't think people are really looking at it from that perspective. So it's giving them that space to really be able to explore that. And, you know, these are the things that people worry about. So it helps to reduce the level of worry and anxiety because you feel that you're more equipped and confident to deal with whatever's going to come. Yeah. Unbelievable. And thank you also for that, because it's such a pervasive 
thing, perfectionism. And I think the ability to reframe and look at potential and what you can achieve and what can be brought forth out of a situation like this is mm-hmm. such a refreshing take. Um, and it takes you out of that, I guess, that what many of us who are anxious or who have, you know, maybe even symptoms of depression, like that, the dark spiral, the thing that the weight and the dark space that brings you down. And so, you know, allowing yourself to climb out of that and to see that, you know, over this challenge over this hump, there is something else. And, you know, it kind of instills that optimism, if you will, um, without being fluffy or, or non-realistic, it actually allows you to, as you said, see potential and look back at all the times you did overcome challenges, um, you know, uh, trauma, like you said, loss of a person in your life, a job, you know, a, a, a change of a situ- a personal situation, We've all overcome things like this, but yet we lose sight of that fact so quickly when we're faced with something like this. The situation is jarring. Yeah. But indeed, speaking of optimism and looking forward, uh, switching gears, I want to know you on a personal note, seeing as we always talk about people who come see you, but the psychologist and you, you know, what what brings you joy, not just on a professional level, but on a personal level? What What brings you joy in your journey? Um, as a psychologist or just as a as me? Oh, I think we all want to know both. <laughs> I think um, as a psychologist, uh, what brings me joy is being able to connect with new people and just, you know, be able to know that I can help them. And even if I, not even just about helping them, but being able to network with people and, you know, kind of feel that energy from others, especially since we've, you know, now remote, actually, I feel that I've been able to do that more because I've got more time. So that's one thing, you know, that I think is, you know, brings me a lot of joy. And I also on a personal level that, you know, what brings me joy is, well, you know about my garden. Uh, I do. So, you know, growing my garden and, you know, that my lockdown garden that didn't exist before now, which now has turned into a, I don't know what, some kind of horticultural dream out there. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Also, my joy of music, and I think that it keeps me alive. It keeps the endorphins going, and it makes me smile every day. Um, I DJ in my spare time, so I DJ Cuban uh, timber and uh, soul in my spare time. Oh, wow. And, yes, so I do that in my spare time, and so that really um, brings me a lot of joy. Um, And I feel that I can share that joy with others as well when I do it, so... Well, your energy is very infectious. I really do appreciate your time. And so just looking forward now, what are you most excited about? Um, I think I'm, I've, you know, been promoting a lot of, um, so as you know about my managing anxiety in the lockdown, um, as well as doing a lot of sessions with people all around the world now, actually. So I'm really looking forward to kind of being able to reach out to people all over the world therapeutically. Um, through my company and also you know what I'm aiming for now over the next few months is to start like a monthly subscription so I'm really hoping that that's something that will take off where you know people can get you know um, access to particular tools um, videos of me and also have an opportunity to do some you know online groups as well where people can join and share their feelings as well so um, I think that's something that I'm really looking forward to and excited about um, developing. Oh, that's awesome. Can you tell our listeners where they can come join a community or where they can reach out to you? 
Yeah, so they can find me on um, Psychology for Success on Instagram and also on um, leonicampbelltherapy.co.uk. Um, if you drop me a line on there, um, then you can also, we'll, on the contact form, we will give you all the information about how you can connect with us there as well and um, have a little chat with me if you want to um, put that in my calendar for us to talk about things a bit further. That is so perfect. Leonie, thank you so much for your time and willingness to share all those wonderful strategies. I know that there are many listeners that probably don't have access to many of the resources and strategies that you've provided us with today. And I will reiterate just how important I think the work you're doing in mental health is. So thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. That was the very kind Leonie from Psychology for Success. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Wishing you a wonderful week ahead and telling you, as always, go conquer. Go conquer.